0: And we are rolling live on Operation Dango Romeo with Mattis Stedman. And today we're going to be talking about beekeeping for veterans. Hello, Mattis. How
1: are you doing there, Mark? Thanks for having me on today.
0: Well, I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this one for, for quite some time. Bi- quite some time. and I'm sure that uh, when the show is done, we're going to continue chatting off there. You're an interesting dude. Thank you. But um, uh, what a neat surprise it was to, to click it on and go, Oh, you're a rabbi. Cool. Yes, <laughs> <surprised>. Surprise, surprise <laughs> jumped. It's like you're jumping out of a cake for me. <laughs> well, neat. So and actually, let's uh, start there. So is beekeeping for veterans? You're not a veteran. So why, why this space for you? Why beekeeping for veterans, not beekeeping for, I don't know, pick something else. How yeah. come us.
1: Great question. So I grew up in San Diego, California. Okay. And for those that don't know, San Diego is a huge military town. And growing, yeah, growing up, I thought for sure, I'm going to go in the military. And my father was in the military. I wanted to be in the military. Uh, you know, my baseball coaches were military, my teachers were military, my mentors were military. So after I went off to uh, rabbinical college and I graduated, I figured let's go to the military to be a chaplain. So I went to the Army, I went to the Navy, I went to the Air Force, I went to the Marines, and they all said, sorry, kid, can't come to the military with a beard. At that time, beards were not allowed So, um, now for religious reasons, I have a beard and I wasn't going to shave it. So I had to go on with life. However, I really wanted to do something for them, for the military and fast forward 20 years. I've now started beekeeping for veterans. It's my way of giving back to veterans to help veterans and help them get back into society.
0: Well, that is pretty amazing. And this is, a giant part of why I do the show is to find people like yourself that are doing programs like this and to explore them and to bring them to the veteran community so that they know that you exist. Mm-hmm. I had a question and then it just fell right out of my head.
1: No problem. Take that's, your time.
0: All right. that's all right. But oh, that's what it was. So beekeeping and it being about mindfulness, which yes. we'll talk about in, in, in a second. What is your understanding of the injury of PTSD, of uh, post-traumatic stress injury? Like Sure. What, what do you know of it so far?
1: Sure. So and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the way I look at it, is that, you know, here you go, you get a person who signs up for the military. We don't know their background. But let's say they're regular John Doe or, or Jane, and they have a normal family, two parents, well-rounded life. They sign up for the military, which means they, you know, sign the bottom line there that they will protect our country for whatever it takes. And they go off to war, they go off to war and they see things that are just hell things that they're not trained for things that a human being should not be able to endure. And they come back to society and all of a sudden, whoa! it's like a deer in headlights. How could I, you know, they have a hard time dealing with things relationships. They can't think they have a hard time day-to-day th- tasks. Now, let's say you take that person and mix it up before they joined the military, and let's say they came from a broken home or an addiction issues or whatever it was, that's all going to be you know, magnified tenfold after a war, after a right. trauma like that. So how do we as society help them? So from my understanding, yes, there is help out there, but I believe the more help, the better. There are veterans. We all know the number of the 22 that die every day through suicide, I believe I believe that number is much greater. Let's say it is 22 that that commit suicide every day. How many hundreds and how many thousands of veterans are walking that tightrope, that line every day that's affecting not only themselves, their families, if they have a family, their friends, they can't get jobs. So I believe the more help available, the better it is for veterans.
0: Yeah, it's a good number to extrapolate from. Um, and whether somebody wants to argue the semantics of if that twenty, how accurate that twenty-two a day is, it's, it's irrelevant. The, idea, the, the point is, is that the road to taking your life is not a fun one. If you are on the road, if you have those thoughts in your head, it ain't a good time. I have wrestled with those for years, and it's not a good time. Um, it, it's a crap way to live. If uh, you are constantly dogged by images of uh, how how would I do to do this how would how would I do this thing, and you can't get them out of your head, it's not like you're in control of it. Um, it's a painful, painful way to live, and you're not wrong in the way that you uh, described PTSD. Um, it, the, the clash of seeing the devil's work in in no uncertain terms uh, of seeing the the horrors that uh, nobody should see but it's also understanding that evil is a real thing and that is such a shock to the system for people to realize this ain't a movie this isn't a video game people did this to other people to children to babies to mothers to mothers holding their babies oh my god Mm -hmm. This is just beyond the pale, and it's not just the horror, it is also, and it's not just the gore, it's an actual injury because you are on hyper alertness for too long, and that's the difference between an actual OSI, operational stress injury, or uh, post-traumatic stress injury, and other types of trauma. You see something horrible that doesn't necessarily redline your system. Sympathetic, parasympathetic, I can't get them straight which one's which. But basically, it's um, all the fight, flight, and freeze hormones on full. And then the throttle gets stuck on full. So when you're no longer in that emergency situation, you're still in that emergency situation, but you're not aware of it. And that's where mindfulness comes in. And so any mind, mindfulness practice, and that's why I was so interested to have you on the show, it, like, it doesn't matter how you get there. <laughs> There's yeah. lots of ways to be mindful. Uh, different meditations, different things. A lot of people are doing leather leatherworking, okay. um, motorcycle rides. I just finished the Rolling Barrage. It was wonderful. And now beekeeping. So let, let's, let's start there. Um, my, mindfulness. What, what does that mean to you?
1: yeah so mindfulness and you know I get this from my mindfulness coach um, she says mindfulness is a set of three attentional skills that work together there's concentration sensory clarity equanimity let's define that equanimity there that's mental calmness composure and evenness of temper so when you practice mindfulness we take all three of those and bring them to the forefront and use it as a check in with ourselves so when we go out in situations we might be triggered wherever that is we can now take control of that situation and maybe take baby steps to get through it but yes get through that situation that triggers us
0: yesterday was day four of equine therapy and yes. equine therapy is wonderful uh-huh. when i'm when i'm done the, the full six sessions i'm going to do another episode on debriefing on what that was like for me but the mindfulness involved there is mindful of my own energy that I'm given off and mindful of the energy of of the creature of the horse yes and the relationship of those two energies Mm -hmm. Is, is that also happening with the bees do they react to your energy
1: yeah let's talk about that and let me just go on a little tangent before I answer that question, just with sure. beekeeping as well. A lot of people don't know this, but after the first world war and the second world war, the U S government actually gave veterans beehives for two reasons. Number one was to help them with, uh, back then it was called shell shock. Today it would be mm-hmm. called PTSD, I believe. And number two, to help them integrate back into society. So why with shell shock? So now let's talk about beekeeping and how it helps with, uh, mental health, sure. so number one, what's a beehive. Let's define that for your listeners. So picture a box and in that box, you have various frames of honeycomb, and that's going to hold between 30 and 50,000 bees. So when you approach a beehive, number one, you have to be calm. And if you're not calm, what's going to happen? Those bees are going to sense your energy and they're going to react to that. So I know from my personal experiences and also dealing with other veterans as well, and other people who beekeep. keep that if you're having a bad day and you just go into your beehive and you're going to go in there like a recluse, those bees are going to react to you. I see, I say that bees are like mirrors and whatever your energy you're giving off, they're going to give it right back to you as well. So they could really sense that. So number one, when you go to a beehive, you have to be calm. Number two is you have to be mindful of your movements. Because again, if you just go in there and move things around, The bees are going to come back and you're definitely going to get stung. We'll talk about stings too later on. Hopefully they're not such a bad thing. But thirdly, which is my favorite part about beekeeping that if done right, what happens is a person gets this amazing rush of adrenaline and it's a positive rush, not a negative rush. Some people go to drugs, alcohol for that rush, but here is a more positive way, positive way to get that rush. So when one bee keeps, three things happen. Number one, calmness. Number two, mindfulness. Number three is this amazing rush of adrenaline. And that's where it comes in. Now that's just part of the program. Um, I don't know if you're aware, there are a few programs for veterans and beekeeping in the States. I think there's three or four in the States. I'm the first one here in Canada okay. for veterans. But I wanted to add that mindfulness component in to it because I think, you know, once you're beekeeping and you walk away from the hive, so that good adrenaline rush feeling lasts for how long? For some people it could be an hour, some maybe a day, some maybe for a week. But there has to be tools that a vet can use to help them, again, with anything that triggers them. Therefore, we have uh, once a week a mindfulness uh, video goes out I call it a mindfulness meditation video, and we deal with different factors that uh, affect veterans with PTSD.
0: It does adrenal fatigue factor into what you do?
1: Define that more for me.
0: I would, I would, if I understood it better.
1: means <laughs> <It's>, it, like <laughs> it's,
0: it's a term that I hear in our circles because um, uh, when you talk about an, an adrenaline rush, yeah, well. We're pretty much living on a steady yeah. drip of, of uh, adrenaline if you're in a war zone. And when you're a first responder of any type, um, big adrenal dumps happen. Yes. Maybe not daily, but uh, a good one every week. Sure. You know, And, and, and that um, the other side of that is a type of fatigue that can barely be described. I mean, sure. uh, when I tell my wife at, at 3 in the afternoon, uh, I got to go lay down. She's like, see you in four hours. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> and there's, and there, there's no negotiating, man. There ain't no
1: pushing through it. And yep. that's adrenal fatigue. And it just sure. hits you like a brick. So I would say no to that. Um, no, it's more of a, it's very passive. It's a nice feeling. It's a warm feeling. It's a glowing feeling when you like, I would say like a good workout. You feel good afterwards. Sounds like joy. Sounds like joy. Let's call it joy. If you want to. Yeah. Sure.
0: Has your um, has there been any correlations between your faith and the beekeeping? like has there been dots to connect there?
1: Well, so in my personal religious approach, you know I try to find God in everything I do. There's spirituality. If people mm-hmm. don't like that word God, fine, whatever you want to do. But there's spirituality in everything. And I think you could find life lessons in every single thing that happens. You know, let's talk about like an extreme story. Let's say that there's a windstorm and the wind blows off a leaf from a tree. Then that that leaf falls off the tree and it gives shelter to a bug. Well, that was supposed to happen. That, you know, there's life lessons in every single thing that we do. So there's a lot of life lessons in beekeeping as well that we could find. Um, Is it my religion? No, but I do know a lot of people who turn to nature and beekeeping as spirituality because it can be a very spiritual practice when you're out there, when you're close to nature and you're relating to these tiny little minuscule creatures that in any minute could could sting you and cause you pain, but they don't. And they actually, I don't wanna say befriend you, but they respect you and you respect them. And that's a very special when you could you know, approach a hive knowing that you're gonna have an amazing experience with a bee
0: dangerous psychopaths and psycho- and um, and uh, serial killers often have a history of hurting animals when when they're mm-hmm. young and mm-hmm. animal mutilation and torture and that is the opposite of being who you are you know it's um uh, completely disconnected from self um, and it seems to me that one of the things that I keep hearing again and again and again and is going to be step one or step two, rather, of a book that I'm trying to put together, but I'm not rushing it. I'm letting it come to me. Mm-hmm. Um, step one is knowing yourself. Step two is loving yourself. And that's a bitch. You know, yes. it ain't easy to love yourself. It, it occurs to me that if you can show respect for bugs, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and have a real and, and learn to get a reverence to not just see them as the individual bugs, but the different classes within their social structure and the hive as a whole. If you can respect that bug, hey, maybe I deserve respect too.
1: <laughs> you know, sure.
0: if, if you're worthy uh, of respect and reverence, maybe I'm worthy of respect and reverence as well. Because a lot of people, it's um, well down the healing road before they even realize that they're not respecting themselves, that they don't like themselves, that they're angry with themselves, that they feel that they're not enough. But I I could really see the connection of, um, uh, of transitioning. If I can respect a bug, surely I can respect myself. Have you seen that?
1: Yeah, 100%. percent my own here. <laughs> 100% you're actually on it and you're correct. And it starts, where does it start? Where does respect start? I mean, it starts with the self, but if we find it very easy to just kill something else, destroy something else, well, then that. what does that translate over into other parts of our life? So it has to start somewhere. And finding that sensitivity often is found, you know, I find it in, in the bee yard, you know, working with my bees. And what, tell me about your relationship with, with the bees. For sure. Yeah. So as I spoke earlier, you know, when you, when I approach a beehive and if I'm having a bad day, oh, those bees let me know it, you know, they will let me know it. Um, it's, it's just amazing to watch when you say a relationship with bees to know, for instance, when you go into a hive, if you're calm and you're collective collected, that the bees are gonna respect you that way. I think it's also, you know, when you go out into into society and if you're calm and you respect someone else, you're gonna get their respect as well. But if you're a jerk and you go out there, people are gonna think you're a jerk as well for no reasons, even though they don't know you. Um, So the bees really, like I said, are are just a mirror to your emotions and how you are doing. And it's a great way to check in with yourself when you uh, come close to your hive, so to speak, your beehives. And I'll let you know this, this is not what my only experience is, but I have a board member, Eric Grandin, Um, he's a veteran of 20 years. I have a video about him on my website. He actually lives in the States and he's trained over 700 veterans in beekeeping. And they all say similar things that it has found a peace and harmony once they started beekeeping.
0: So are you a one-man show right now? You say you have a board of directors?
1: Yeah, I do have a board of directors. Um, okay. I are very nice board of directors, um, and, and uh, they guide me. I have a businessman, a very successful businessman. I have a, a doctor who is uh, one of the leading doctors in Canada on medicinal marijuana. Um,
0: Interesting. What's yeah. his name?
1: Um, actually, he'd like to, he to say oh, anonymous. at this no problem. Um, and um, I have Eric Randon, who's a veteran as well. And then I have uh, Brian Scott, who is one of the biggest uh, bee suppliers here in Ontario. Um, great beekeeper, cool dude, rides a motorcycle, has tattoos. And when I approached him just to get a discount for what I'm doing for our veterans, he's like, I'm all in, whatever you want. I want to help veterans, whatever you want, I'm doing it. And he just loved the idea. So I figured, you know, he has much more bee knowledge than I do. I've been beekeeping now for 10 years now, but he's like a master beekeeper. Great to have him on my team. So I have a very nice, well-rounded board to, uh, you know, get this out there to as many veterans as possible. It's a
0: lot. It's a lot more affordable than having horses.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it is a lot more affordable, I'd say. I mean, my program. I mean, it costs about. It costs we're charging two thousand five hundred dollars. Um, the reason why. One of the reasons why I am a not-for-profit, I assume will be a registered charity here in Canada and in the States as well, is because I'd never wanna say no to a veteran based on financial concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine say, well, why don't you do this for a regular business? Do it, you know make a profitable business, but it's, it's not the point here. This business is has two bottom lines. One is a social impact, and that is to help veterans. One is an environmental impact to put more bees in the world. Bees are pollinators. And you know one out of every four bites of food that we eat comes from pollinators. so no, no bees, no food, as I like to say. but um, our first bottom line is our what we're stressing is let's go out and help veterans.
0: So you're probably looking for sponsors and donors to pony up the 2500 to cover the costs. and every time there's a uh, 2,500, that's somebody that goes through the program. Is that about right?
1: That is correct. Yeah, and that includes um, you know you get your beekeeping supplies. Your beehive your suit your tools we have an online course on how to be a beekeeper we have mentorship also that hey if you're having a hard time with the beehive give a call we'll walk you through all the steps um, and then also once a week you get that mindfulness meditation um, and there'll be different subjects throughout the year and then once a month we try to get together uh, for an online zoom meeting a zoom meeting where we split the meeting into two halves. One half will be dedicated to beekeeping. We have a speaker come in to talk about beekeeping and the other half will be a live mindful meditation. And I also like to, you know, it's good to get everyone together. Um, I've had calls from Australia, from all over the States, from uh, also Canada, of course. So we're looking to put together for next spring, a really good group of individuals.
0: And you don't need your own land, right? I mean, there's lots of farmers that say, sure, put up a, a few hives and then give me a couple of jars of honey every year. Is that, a, is that right?
1: So that's a great question. So, you know, it's easier if it's on your land, but let's say you don't and you want to do it. So as a non-for-profit, I don't mind calling up the local bee association. Every city has a local bee association. And I think it's a pretty easy pitch to say, hey, let's help a veteran um, if someone else has some land i'm very confident that i'll be able to get you a beehive on a piece of land if you live in an apartment building you live in a condo or let's say your neighbors just don't want it then uh i'm pretty confident i'll be able to help you to get a beehive that you could work with um, at your own time
0: now um can you turn a small profit or at least have it break even with one hive or do you? Ha- does, it, does it have yeah. to be like, well, you can start to make a buck once you're at five hives or 10 or how does that work?
1: This is very much a hobby, I would say. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty hard to make money nowadays um, from one beehive or two beehives.
0: Can you cover uh, your expenses by doing it though?
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, instead people instead of love going honey. in the hole. Yeah. People love honey. And, um, you know, every year, Uh, I sell some honey and local honey, you could, you know, get a pretty penny for. You definitely can, if you want to do that, sell your honey and make a little profit there. But, you know, you're not going to make a lot of money, maybe enough money to bring your wife out to dinner a few times a month. But uh, it's more of a hobby, this type of beekeeping we're doing. If you do get into it and you find you're successful and you want to do other things, I mean, there are definitely ways to make honey through beekeeping once you have, you know, 50 hives, 60 hives, 100 hives, 1,000 hives, but you really need the land and you need the experience on how to deal with the bees.
0: There's a the big bathroom. honey farm um, uh, close, I'm in Okotoks, pardon me. Okay. And um, a, a Chinook honey farm, that's what it's called. And uh-huh. it, 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 they have uh, mead, so they make mead. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't drink anymore, but it's like, okay. oh, like, I don't want to try some mead. What <laughs> if I have non-alcoholic mead?
1: Um, yeah.
0: And they also, what's that stuff, the, the black gunk that's on the bottom of the hive? Okay, the let's world. talk
1: about that. So what's
0: that, what's that gunk? It tastes horrible, but it's uh, it's like a health food.
1: Yeah, propolis. Yeah, so there's different healthy um, things that come out of the hive. Things is the wrong word. I'm sorry about that. Um, but uh, you have propolis, you have pollen, you have royal jelly. So we can talk about those really quickly. So what's propolis? Propolis, number one, the bees, when they go around, they scrape up against trees and they get the resin from trees they bring that resin back and they use that resin to fill in cracks in the hive now that resin is very good for a person when they're sick has uh properties that does, whenever i start to get sick i take some propolis and uh, it's an I
0: immune feel. booster it's isn't it
1: an immune bo- booster yeah 100 percent. so
0: it cures 100%. covid
1: Ooh, well we could talk about two in a minute if you want to but uh <laughs> you also have a pollen Well, well you, you can't know.
0: say the c word
1: oh i know yeah, pollen and the bees, they fly around, they, they land on uh, flowers and uh, pollen gets on their bodies. They clean their bodies off and they put all the pollen into these sacks on their legs. They fly back and pollen's also very good for a person uh, high in protein. Someone has allergies, seasonal allergies, pops some pollen, they feel good. Uh, royal jelly, royal jelly is what the bees feed larvae and uh, it's really good for men that are having problems in the bedroom um really yeah 100 percent yeah and there's a lot of research everything i see i say you could look on google and you could research it there's been a lot of uh, scientific research papers on on all this um other healing properties of the hive we'll take it to the next level um it's very popular in europe right now they have if you could picture a uh, a hut and inside there's beehives the bees could only have access to the outside and not inside and they'll put mattresses on top of the beehives and people will come and just lay down and the vibrations from the beehive will just ground them and center them. And they're using this a lot with uh, firefighters who have gone through different traumas and first responders. They're also using this for children in school who just don't have the ability to sit. They've sent them for an hour, and let's go, and they completely relax and then come back to school. They're finding that as well. Um, and then there's something called uh, bee venom therapy, believe it or not. And that's interesting. The, yeah. The venom of the bees and using it for all different types of things. For instance, arthritis, um, helps people with arthritis. I know a lot of older beekeepers and they love getting stung because it helps with their arthritis, um, uh, Lyme's disease. I do know a gentleman who used to spend $20,000 a year on his medications. Now he gets stung, uh, 20 times once a month. I know it doesn't sound pleasant, but that costs uh, about $300 a year. And it deals with his Lyme's disease. Um, i've had a. Well, first-
0: person. there's people that do that with um venomous snakes and they never get sick man like they're they're bulletproof those guys
1: yeah yeah that's a tough way to go for like oh, <laughs> bit by a cobra or yeah. by a bee i'm gonna go with a bee i'll go with the bee my friend yeah yeah so it's it's very interesting the different properties that come out the healing benefits that come out uh from beekeeping but uh overall then you know you have the the mindfulness component the the calmness and feeling good after beekeeping. It's it's unbelievable. And like I said previously, there are a few programs out there. And the unique thing about my program is number one, you could do it anywhere. The bees go to you. And number two is the mindful mindfulness component is combining that to actively work on yourself, giving yourself tools and trying to help out as best we can. That's what the program is all about.
0: It seems to me if you have the whole product chain um, and and retail direct uh, that you could actually make a, a a buck, but you have to do it all. you know, so you have the hives, you collect the honey, the cropless, uh, and you bottle it all, jar it all, market it all. like if you do the whole uh, from 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 bee to to the shelf uh, strategy, yeah. and you I mean it's not small, but if but if you if you do the entire supply chain, um i could see you uh, uh, being able to make, to still make a buck without being um undercut uh, the, the hutterites are, are big into <laughs> the beekeeping so you know yeah. they, they've kind of got that market cornered as well but if you do the crop list and everything else and, and you're decent at marketing i could see, yeah. see it being possible
1: well a lot of people do what they do nowadays the big money maker in beekeeping is sending your uh, beehives to a farmer um, because farmers depending on their crop um, they'll go to a 200% more ratio of yield. So almonds, I think strawberries, um, apples, oranges, they all want beehives on their properties. So actually do have, there's,
0: do they have to be flower crops or like, do the grain crops benefit at all? Or, uh, alfalfa?
1: I don't believe so. It's more of, um, crops that are, um, wind pollinated, anything okay. pollinated by wind. So the bee would land and cross pollinate. And that's sunflowers. how it works sunflowers yep definitely sunflowers yes corn? i don't know about corn i don't know but uh i don't think so i could be wrong i've been wrong once before in my life really just once just just that one time that one time and my uh, wife, you, yeah. Was it?
0: Did, did you use the wrong beard oil is that what it was uh, beard oil uh, how did you know it's like oh that one didn't work at all okay i'm gonna go back to the go back to the basics yeah Well, I, I'm there. What am I missing? What, what listen, am I missing, Mattis?
1: Listen, um, that's why I tell veterans look at right now, we are, you know, Afghanistan just happened. We're post 9 uh, 11 as well. I'm sure. Yeah. There's a lot of stress, a lot of feelings. And look at if it's not my program that does it for you, if you're having a bad day or having stressful times, pick a program because there's plenty of programs out there. But please, you know, get help for yourself. Um, we're here for you. I think our country's here for you, we love you, we care about you, and uh, we want you to succeed.
0: Almost everybody comes to these programs after the fact. Uh, very, very seldom is it proactive. And I would encourage all my listeners, be proactive, man. Like if you're uh, listening to this just so you can learn how to support others or, and just because you're curious about it and you're not actually injured yourself, for the love of God, attend these programs ahead of time. Do it proactively. It, um, it it makes all the difference in the world. Because trust me, you don't want to you don't want to have this injury. It, it's not good. And um, uh, so, if you can avoid it by making yourself more resilient and and doing the mindful practices before you get injured, uh, you can still get injured. Nobody's immune. But mm-hmm. uh, you're in such a better place. You know, instead of suffering for the next 20, 30 years and having a and hurting all those around you, uh, do be proactive with these types of ideas. Madison, are you, are you going to scale or are you going to just be your operation? Or tell me a bit of, uh, more uh, before we sign off here about where you are now as far as um, your capacity to, to, to take people in? Like, how many people can you take in? Uh, how often do you run programs? And um,
1: are, are you going to scale it? Sure. So the program is designed that um, you could be anywhere. Right now, my program, I'm focusing uh, currently just on North America, Canada and America. I think by year three, I'll go abroad. I'm already getting calls from Australia, uh, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But right now, I want to get the first three years hard in America and Canada and see how that goes and make adjustments as we go along but it's designed that it could be anywhere at any time, um, no matter where the veteran so we is. Don't,
0: we don't got to go to Toronto. Uh, we sign up, 2,500 bucks, get a DIY kit,
1: and you'll guide us through it. Exactly, no matter where you are, we're here to help you and support you.
0: All right, well, flipping spectacular. Uh, Mattis. I was so looking forward to this, and um, thank you so much for, for your compassion and kindness and wisdom in doing what you do, and if you ever waver in wondering whether or not uh, you're, you're doing good, please listen to Mark, you <laughs> are doing good, and, and it really, really matters. Thank you so much for the work that you do.
1: Thank you, Mark, for having me on your show. You are an inspiration as well, as well and uh, God bless you, and you should have success in everything you do. L'chaim. L'chaim. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, thanks, Mattis, stay on the line. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. Now I've got a favor to ask you. And I know everybody asks for the same favor, but it's really, really important. If you can help, do your little bit by going to Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating and a comment, that would be awesome. Also, on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, or whatever floats your boat and blows your hair back, please click follow. And if there's an option there for rating, please do so. And this is why. Every time you click like, leave a rating, leave a comment, what happens is that it makes it easier for other people to find this podcast. The help that you can't find doesn't help at all, so help other people find this so that they can help themselves. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And as always, share, share like the sugar bear, because sharing is caring.